From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Okay, if you have a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 13. And uh, if you are one who is inclined to take notes, I'm proud of you for taking notes. Um, You can write this down. Jesus is comfort in the uncomfortable. Jesus is comfort in the uncomfortable. Exodus chapter 13. Let's bow our heads one more time and let's just ask the Lord to speak very clearly to us this morning. God, I thank you for today. Once again, Lord, I praise you. And as we look to this word this morning, we open our hearts. Our hearts are open to hear from you, God. And I pray that you would challenge and I pray that you would encourage I pray that you would lead this morning, and Lord, that these words would not just fall on deaf ears, but you would give us, as your word says, ears to hear what you're saying. And so we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Whew. Okay, I got to catch a deep breath today. There we go. So I want to take you back. The year is 2015, and my wife will correct me if I'm wrong later on today. Um, and our second child is about to be born. Number two child is about to be born. Jody's in labor, and we're headed to the hospital. And I get her to the hospital. We get to the hospital. We get her in the room, and I'm thinking, I got some time. I got some time. We've been through this before, and it was a long one. So I drop her off in the room. The midwife is there. She's good. I'm like, I'll go grab the bags now while there's time and come back. So I go downstairs. I get the bags, and I come back. I'm just like, I'm just chilling, right? She's in labor. And I'm doing what men do in labor. I just, I just walk with the bags down the hall. And the, the midwife comes out, comes out. I don't know what, what she was going for, but she looks at me and she's like, he's coming right now. And I'm like, go. And that child came so fast, like super, super fast. And when he was born, he was the most handsome baby. He was such a, I, you know, I thought about getting a picture of, of him, but I just totally forgot. And he was, he was, he looked like identical to his brother when they were born. Like when they were born, they looked almost like identical twins. We look back on some pictures and unless we have the, the name written on the back, we're like, okay, hey, which one is this? Is this, is this Eli or is this Joshua? Because like when they were newborns, they were, they were identical and they were handsome and we were just so excited. But, you know, news changed pretty quickly in that time for us. Went from really excited to kind of really uncertain. Um, there was concerns over Joshua that he had a possible infection and an echo revealed that there was a narrowing of his aorta. And so we spent the first, you know, three, four, five days in the NICU in this really bright, really terrible place to sleep. Like, it's the worst place to sleep in a hospital in those bright rooms. And he was in this, I don't know what you call it, but it looked like a co- coffin. It was like a clear coffin, and he was, like, hooked up to everything. And I remember looking back over those days, and I remember feeling, and we, we were feeling... S- you know, in that uncertainty, like those were the worst. The feelings that we were having in those moments, the uncertain, the worry, the concern, what was going to happen next was worst. And I don't know if you've been there. I don't know if you've been in situations like that where you've, where you've just, like all control has been kind of sucked away and you just don't know what's going to happen next. And what made matters worse is um, as we were waiting kind of for news to happen, I'm going to skim through our story a little bit. They released us with the intention that the next day we would head to McMaster University and, and see their um, cardiac uh, pediatricians and they would do another echo. And so here we are traveling home 
with, with our new bundle of joy, handsome little guy who came super fast, but so uncertain, like, like so uncertain as to what was going to happen next. And then we travel the next day. We go to McMaster, and we have another echo done. And we don't even, they kind of just did the echo, and then they said, okay, you're good to go. And here we are, spending like four or five days in the NICU, released to come to this hospital, and now we're released from this hospital to go home with no answers. And I look back, and I, I almost have heart palpitations thinking about it because we're just like, what? is going on. If I can throw a candy on top, a cherry on top of this whole mess is when we took him home originally, our cat had a massive distended stomach and we had to put him down that night. So it was just this really messy time. Thankfully, and praise God, you know, after a few months go by, our local, our family pediatrician was able to track down the results. And I believe, and we believe because of the prayers of many people, that part of his aorta that was narrowed was actually widened. And they didn't see anything. And so he was clear and we were clear. But I remember in those moments feeling um, so uncertain. And I wonder if you felt that. And I think you have. I think you felt that. And if you haven't felt it, you felt it now living over the last couple years in our time. Um, as I chat with a lot of people over this season, that's what we call it, right? That's the nice way. That's the nice way to put it. I see so many people hanging in the balance between hope and, and kind of this loss of what's to come next, this despair. I ask many people, and I don't know how many times I've literally heard this statement. This statement I've heard so many times. I don't know if I'm hanging in or hanging on. Anybody feel that before over the past little while? I don't know why. I'm hopeful, but I'm dread. And it's this tension that we're holding on to. You know, people have lost jobs over the past 20 months. There's been engaged couples who had beautiful plans to walk down a, an altar in a nice decorated church or hall, had to shift plans and, and make different arrangements and figure out what they can do and accommodate new restrictions. Loved one passes away and family's got to figure out who can come to the funeral and who can't. Right? This has been our, our time. Small business owners don't know if they're going to make it through and there's the constant changing of what's coming next and it's just weighing. Like I've just, I felt a little heavy. And it makes us uncertain and without a sense of control. And not only that, but whatever you're dealing with in your own life, in your own situations, in your own family, what do we do with that? What do we do with what's happening in our world or just our own life, the fear of the unknown, the, the uncertainty of what the future holds, the lack of control? What do we do with those emotions? What do we do with those feelings? How do we act? And that brings us to our story this morning, Exodus chapter 13, uh, verse 17 to 22 specifically. It's another familiar story to you if you were here last week. It's a story in the Old Testament of God's people, the Israelites, the Hebrew people, being freed from captivity in Egypt where they were slaves and coming to the Red Sea, being led um, to a life and location they know nothing about. Remember that story? If you didn't, you might have watched the Prince of Egypt movie with your children, if you remember that. Let me give you a little backstory before we read the text today. God's people had been under Egyptian rule for a couple hundred years, 215 to be exact. They've been sojourning for 400 years. And so a couple years of backbreaking captivity. A couple hundred years, sorry. Yet through it all, God sees their misery and hears their cries for deliverance. And so he raises up 
Moses. And if you read the story of Moses, it's just like a, he's just like appointed for that time. And he goes to Pharaoh calling for the release of God's people. And Pharaoh says, no way. Absolutely not. So God shows his power and his might through 10 wondrous signs to Pharaoh and the gods of the unseen realm of the land of Egypt, each progressively more impactful than the last plaguing Egypt. And that's why we often think of them as 10 plagues, right? Wondrous signs to show God's power in order that they would release and yield, but plagued Egypt. And each time, Pharaoh stubbornly refuses, culminating in the final blow, which was the death of the firstborn son. And so finally, Pharaoh yields, and he relents, and he releases God's people. And so they flee Egypt, right? They flee Egypt. And though we know the story, at that present time, all they know is what they're being delivered from. They don't really know where they're headed. They have an idea, but they know what they're coming from, not what life they're necessarily going to. And similar to moments in our lives, we can look back and we can see God's hand, or we can see where we've come from, or we can see what God has done. But looking forward, it can get a little mucky sometimes. And so let's pick up the story. Exodus 13, verse 17, it says this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Now we notice something right away in this text. The main road went straight through the Philistine territory. But instead, instead of going that way, God takes them around by the desert. He doesn't take the shortcut. He takes the long cut. So my son calls it the long cut. We were, uh, we were driving the other day to a, you know, a week or so ago to a birthday party, and they were so eager to go. And my one son says to me, Daddy, is this the long cut? God doesn't take them the short way. He takes them the long cut. And you have to imagine the mix of emotions that the people would be feeling here. There's probably a sense of joy, right? A little bit, maybe, because they've, they've just been freed from slavery. But there's, there's fear of you've just been delivered from like a cruel and oppressive ruler who could, who's changed his mind so often he could change his mind again. Right? There's the uncertainty of I don't know what's coming next. There's the, the lack of, of control because you're in the hands of this guy Moses and, and, and God, or at worst, you're in the hands of Pharaoh. So you've got no control. I, that's what I imagine that these people are feeling and sensing. And as you're finally on your way, God doesn't seem to be taking you in the right direction. We're free, but we're going the wrong way. We're finally moving forward the wrong way. Finally, it's over, but where are we going? It's, it's, it's that way. Moses, like among the 600,000 people, men, millions of people, Moses, he took a wrong turn. <laughs> Imagine the one guy at the back. Dude, <laughs> you missed it. This way goes nowhere. Ever felt that way? You ever felt like life seems to be headed in the wrong direction? For whatever reason, God's taking you on the long cut gives God 
are you there? Are you, are you watching my life or are you skipping over mine and just watching everybody else's? Are you taking me? And it can feel a little bit like this journey of life is like that. You don't know this. You don't know this and I don't know this, but God knows what's up. We aren't privy to all the details, but he is. There is a reason why God takes us the long way. There is purpose in the journey because what awaits you needs a certain version of you, and that person isn't ready until some refining happens. And so God takes you on a different bit of a journey to do some work in you to prepare you for what awaits. And so we're out here crying, what's going on? This is the wrong way. And God's like, I know. Well, we got some work to do. The Israelites weren't aware of why, but God had a reason, is that they weren't ready for their destination. Because if they arrived too soon, they wouldn't be able to handle the war that, would, that, would, that was awaiting them. They weren't ready for that yet. And so God had to take them on a journey of testing and teaching and training through the desert. You know, when we look at our moments in our lives, it's tempting to ask, what gives, God? What gives? And if you don't have those moments, we can all say it over the past little while. What gives? There's an easier road. I'm not, I'm not you and I see an easier road. Right? We're tempted to do that. But maybe, just maybe, there's a working that God is doing in the trial. And there's a working that God is doing in the suffering. And there's something that he wants to do along the road that is preparing us to the, his people so that we can be the people he desires for our destination. So let's continue Actually, let me read this. James chapter one says this very familiar verse says, consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. I don't want it to finish. I want to be done. Finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now get this, that route that God could have taken them on to the Philistine country, experts tell us, scholars say, would have taken about 11 days on foot. And if they didn't mess up along the way, the desert way, which if you read the story, you hear they did, that route would have only taken two years. So much uncertainty, so much lack of control. What do you do? And again, as you read Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, the people, they rebel against God in that journey, and so it takes 40 years. So a journey that would have took 11 days ends up taking 40 years to get ready for. So what can we do when we find ourselves in times of uncertainty, when it feels like life is out of control and out of our control, and God seems to be taking you on the long cut? Ready for it? Yield. Yield to his leading. Yield to his route and let his leading form you into the person who is ready for the destination that he is leading you towards. Because if you're not ready and if you don't yield, you may find yourself like the Israelites walking and wandering this road longer than you need to. Yield. It can be really hard to say this, but times of uncertainty and insecurity and those moments of, of, of loss of control, times that require great faith, did you know that? 
that it's when we don't feel like we're in control and life feels like it's chaotic and we are so uncertain. That's actually when faith becomes necessary. Like we actually have to practice the faith that we say we have all the time. It's those moments that can be extraordinary times for growth and development. The in-between places, the uncomfortable places, it's the dangerous places. And these can take longer than we like. They can be harder than, than we like. And we can give up and we can throw in the towel. But God does some of his best formation in the in-between. God does some of his best work on the journey too. We're so eager to get to the place that we need to go. We just want to skip everything along the way. But the best formation happens along the journey. Yield. Let's continue the story. It says in verse 20, after leaving Succoth, because the place was not fun. <laughs> it sucketh. <laughs> Whoo! They camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. And by day, listen to this, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither, listen, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So they're not given a map. There's definitely no GPS in those days as far as we have not discovered. There's no, there's no schedule. There's no times of when things will occur. Instead, God gives them his presence as a guide. So years ago, Jody and I were on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and we've been a few years, or we've gone a few times over our, our years together. And leading up to our arrival at the airport in the Dominican Republic, we knew every step of the journey. We knew, we knew every aspect. We knew when we were leaving our, our home. We knew what we were, who we were bringing. We knew when we needed, how long it took to get there. We knew the route we were going to take. We knew when we needed to uh, get at the airport. We knew when the flights departed. We knew what bags to check. We had every step planned. But when we arrived at our destination in the Dominican Republic, and for the remainder of our trip, we were at the hands of the missionary of the global worker. We had to trust them to guide us and to lead us. It was a completely different experience from getting there. He tells us when to get ready, what we're going to need, when we're setting out, drives to the location. He could be taking us into the middle of who knows where. And he did often, actually, into the middle of who knows where. There was, there was little room for doubt and uncertainty because it would have done us no good. But listen, because we trusted him, we could relax. We could enjoy the freedom of not having to worry about the details. We could enjoy the company. We could enjoy the sights. And we can enjoy the land because we had a guide. So God doesn't give the Israelites a map. Here's where you need to go. When you get there, I'll meet you there. He is the direction. He's not a map. He's the guide. And he is with the people. That's the message of Christmas, right, Emmanuel? He's with the people every step of the way, out front, day and night, every step. He is there. His presence is always before them, no matter where they go, day or night, he is there. They can't escape his presence because there's, there's a literal cloud in front of them. Where's God? Oh, he's right there. 
Is your, no, he's, he's right there. Nighttime, you wake up, there's a fire column. Imagine that, that's a nightlight, right? My kids want more light in the room at night. I'm like, your nightlight is sufficient. Well, God gives a giant blast of fire. You can't escape his presence. If you didn't want to be near God's presence, well, you can go back to sucketh. Because <laughs> it sucketh there without the presence of God. <laughs> Jeez, I'm sorry. It's just right there. It's just right there. So here's what we can take to heart, okay? I don't know what's going on right now in your life. And you may not know what's going on right now in my life. And we don't know what's happening in our nation. I don't have vision for what lies in the in-between. You're the pastor. Shouldn't you have vision for what lies in the in-between? Moses didn't. He's a better one than me. But I can rest and I can camp in the presence of God, knowing that when I don't know, he's leading me. So when I think about our church, when I think about Parkway, we have the big vision of why we exist, right? To see every person, like picture that in your mind, every person you know, encountering Jesus, experiencing God in a way that is life transforming. But at this time, these times are so uncertain. But I, I'm so encouraged by this message. It speaks to me because I can rest. And when I don't know how we're going to get there, God knows. And he's leading us. And he's moving. And what was evident in our service today is he's moving, right? We're leaving what we, what we knew. We don't know exactly what lays ahead, but we know God's presence is with us day and night. And we can trust him to be a guide along the way. You know, when I was a young adult, I was always uncertain of what my future held. And I remember times calling out to God like, hey, what are you leading me towards? And where am I going? And what do I need to do? And having these prayers continually. And even as someone who was pursuing ministry, when I, when I finally felt led to go to Bible college, I was still kind of like uncertain. And God gave me a vision. And this vision carried me through so many years and it was this picture of me walking, and I had no idea where I was going because the, everywhere was foggy. If I turned left, if I turned right, it was just foggy. I, I didn't know the way. And anytime I called out to God in the vision, a hand would come through. Just poke through the fog and say, take my hand, I'll lead you. And I think that vision still, like, you can, you can receive that vision because I think that's still true today. And it still carries me through today. So here's the invitation of God in times and places in these moments of what's next is that you can rest and you can ground yourself in him. Listen to Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my teaching, right? And learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke, my way, is what he's saying, is easy and my burden is light. Now, that's, that brings so much peace, but that doesn't, doesn't often sit well with us because we are a people who like to be in control or have that sense of control. We're used to it. We're not used to feeling uncertain. And so that sounds really nice until you're in that moment and you're like, chug, mm -hmm. but, but this, but this moment, like 
we're running from, from Pharaoh. We're slaves, and you, you didn't take us the way we needed to go. But that's where faith becomes faith. Experts say, scholars suggest, experts say, sorry, that in the in-between moments, those liminal spaces, the transition between one place to another is a rite of passage, like, like boyhood to manhood. And they argue that we need a guide. Experts argue that we need a guide to navigate from one stage to the next. And that is the presence of God, people. How, where are we going to... I don't know what... <laughs> Rest and camp out knowing that there's a cloud and there's a pillar of fire guiding you. And get this. Do you know what I love about where we live right now in 2021? We're, we're post all that, right? We, we're living after the ascension of Jesus, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Like post-Pentecost, this is what this means. Yeah, maybe you don't have a pillar of fire, but you have the Holy Spirit in you. And the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he dwells in you. The same spirit that was present hovering over the earth as the Lord spoke creation into existence. The same spirit that rested on mighty people in the Old Testament and empowered them for service. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So you can rest in that presence like sometimes you're like, God, I don't see the fire. I don't see the cloud. Where are you? And you hear the still small voice that says, I'm closer than that. I'm closer than that. Where? I'm closer. There's a peace in there. If you don't camp out and trust in God's presence, you'll end up in the wrong path. You'll end up wandering in the wrong direction. This moment, this period, in the Israelites' case, the desert, they, they, they wandered longer than was necessary. But if you yield to him, if you yield to him as he takes you on the long cut, the formation that takes place is transforming you for that next chapter. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Christian mystics, they called this living in ho holy uncertainty. It's the capacity to live with a very loose grip or no grip at all on all our plans and outcomes because our security isn't in a sense of control, but our security is in a relational connection to God. Let me repeat that. It's having a loose grip on your plans because your security does not rest in your plans, but your security rests and knowing and walking and having a relationship with the Savior and Creator of the universe. Your plans might be pretty good, but I'm pretty sure His are better. That's the holy uncertainty. I don't know, but He does. Do you know what it is? It's the Saturday between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. It's that moment where we don't know what's coming, but we can trust and we have to trust. You know, imagine how dark Saturday would have been. I know it's not Easter, it's Christmas, but let's celebrate Easter for a moment. For the disciples, for followers of Jesus, this uncertainty, ugh, what's going on? It's this in-between space where we can rest and say, but my God 
And here's what we're privy to in today's life. We know that he rose from the dead. We know Resurrection Sunday took place. He did it once, he could do it again, right? We know that the walls came down at Jericho. He did it once, he could do it again. We know what happens in the story. He did it once, he could do it again. Yield. Yield to his root and trust in his presence. Yield to his root and trust in his presence. If you get nothing from today, yield and trust. Yield to the long cut. It's longer, but there's formation that takes place. And trust that his presence will guide you along the way. Now, if we continue in the story, we see that his route takes the Israelites to the, to the, to the Red Sea, a dead end. Pharaoh, with a hardened heart, he changes his mind. And with an army, he pursues behind the people of God. So the route that God takes the people on, as he leads them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, hems them between an army bent on destruction and a dead end. Again, we're privy to the story, but they're not. So imagine you're there. What are you doing? This was clearly the wrong way. And here's what I love and what I also hate about this. Because this moment in this story tells me that sometimes, sometimes God leads us and he puts us in hard places. And God didn't just use this. He's not like, oops, don't worry, I'm going to use this for my glory. But he made this happen for his glory. Now that's a hard pill to swallow, right? And I'm not saying that's a prescription that when all bad things happen, God made it happen. I'm not saying that. But that's what the story is showing us. He led them here. And listen, they scream out in tears. Let's, let's continue reading. Exodus 14. They say this. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have we done? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Like in their uncertainty, they begin to be deceived to believe that slavery was better. Let's continue. It's Moses answers the people, do not be afraid. That's a command throughout the scripture. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, somewhere in between that bold proclamation and what happens next, Moses as a leader says this over the people, but then he goes and he cries to God. We don't have that what happens, but this is God's response. It says the next verse, the next line. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. 
So God is about to reveal in this place in their lives his power and his glory and his supremacy and his sovereignty. They're brought to a place where they're hemmed between a rock and a hard place. They're in an uncertain space, a place of fear, and they've lost a sense of control. God doesn't take them the short way. Why didn't you just take us the short way? The Philistines are a lot easier than these Egyptians. Probably, I don't know, but probably. He takes them through the desert. He has some work he wants to do in them first. And then he puts them here. He puts them here. They have nowhere to go. They can't make a way. Doesn't that just point to the cross? They can't make a way. They can't deliver themselves. They can't save themselves. That is Christ. That is Jesus. We can't do it. He did it for us. They can't go back. They can't see a way forward. There's nowhere out. They are hemmed, and God is about to do something supernatural. And that is often where God places us, church. He places us on these long roads seemingly in the wrong direction so that he can do a miraculous work in us and through us. If we yield... If we yield to his root and we trust in his presence. God doesn't remove your problems. Sometimes. He doesn't always take away the hardships. Lots of times he doesn't heal. But he makes a way through. He makes a way. That's what we were singing earlier, right? You are the way maker miracle worker. You know what the, you know, sometimes we throw miracle around so much in charismatic churches that we just forget what miracle means. It means supernatural. It doesn't happen often, right? Something beyond the laws of nature. Like we're singing that. Can you sing that next time you're going through an uncertain period? Like just stop. Just stop complaining and worrying and fretting and just start singing that song. Right? What am I going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know. What are they going to take away next? Or, oh man, the doctor just called. Or, my son, ah, the school. Stop. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. That is who you are. Like, sing that. He creates a way where there is no way. That is who he is. So let me bring this back. What do we do when we're in the unknown and we have no vision for what lies ahead and we don't know the way out is we can find comfort in the uncomfortable. We can find comfort in Jesus. We can find comfort in the presence of God who promises us that he is with us. Yield to his root or route, your preference and trust in his presence. Would you stand with me? We're just, can we sing that one? You're already going to do it, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, they were. I just, I, we need to declare that and, and just receive this truth, church. Just receive this. He's the way maker. You just got to trust in him. He's the way maker. He's got to yield, which means you need to give him control when you don't feel control. Come on, let's sing this out. Let's declare this today. 
Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.